I believe the best Web3 products will come out of running them like a Web2 business, understanding business, understanding markets to actually grow and bring value to the holders. So what's been the transition to me is attracting the Web3 audience in the Web3 way because there is a very specific way you do that. And that is not traditional Web2 marketing, but then educating Web3 into saying we're actually a Web2 business and this is how it should be used. Welcome to The Vault Podcast, the official podcast of Web3. On this show, we meet every week to discuss crypto, NFTs, and the metaverse with the experts building the future of the web. We have in-depth conversations to shed light on these new technologies and the people behind the innovation. If you're a founder, investor, or somebody looking to get started in Web3, this is the podcast for you. You can support this show by subscribing and giving us a follow on social media at Vault3Labs. You can also visit our website, v3labs.xyz, for the latest news and updates. We hope you enjoy the show. What's going on, everybody? Thanks for tuning in. Uh, this is Parker Messiah from uh, V3 Labs. Today, we've got James from Planet X. Thanks for jumping on. Yeah, good. Thank you. Thanks for jumping on me, guys. I'm looking forward to talking to you. Sure. Should we start from the top? Planet X, how did this project come about? So long story. So um, it actually started two years ago, um, the actual development of the project. Um, I raised a million pounds in the UK for it, um, just because I was in obviously Web2 business. So for me, I, uh, I found it quite easy to get start funding. But the idea actually came from COVID, from lockdown. Um, I think everyone around the world, when uh, we went into lockdown, started playing the uh, PlayStation and Xbox again, and uh, I got back into gaming. And uh, I, I was always a casual gamer growing up. You know, I played games, you name it, FIFA, Grand Theft Auto, Call of Duty, just casual, you know, but from a very young age. And jumping back into gaming, I fell in love with it again. And uh, I actually had the idea in the first month of lockdown and raised investment in about six weeks and I started to form the team. So yeah, it was a, it was a bit of a spontaneous, quick thing to happen. But did you raise from investors, from like a VC firm? How did, how did, what was that process like? Uh, it was high net worths. So um, normally VCs wouldn't move as quick as four weeks. You know, it takes, it takes a long time. Um, so high net worths are always the best when you're doing a startup uh, right at the beginning. Um, so yeah, it was just contacts of mine, uh, that I knew just pitched them the concept, loved it and just jumped straight into it. So hold on, let's, let's take it back a bit before, uh, you guys jumped into this project. Uh, tell us a little bit about your background. Like what were you doing before this? So I'm 29 now. Um, my whole childhood, I played football, so soccer for you guys. Uh, but I played professional football for a team called Chelsea. I don't know how, um, much you guys follow football in the UK, but, I was actually at Chelsea from six until 21. So my whole childhood um, and school education went to football. You get taken out of football at 14 when you play for a professional team. I signed pro at 17. I suffered a really bad um, surgery. So I snapped my ACL in my right leg. Um, I then broke my back on my 18th birthday. Uh, I then had compartment syndrome, a really rare condition of your muscles when I was 21. And um, I got told I'd never play football again. So my whole childhood was actually nothing to do with business. It was all sport. It was all that related. And it was my dream. Um, and then, yeah, I had to start again at 21, not knowing what I wanted to do in my life. So that's when I first jumped into business. Huh. So from fo- from pro footballer to NFTs and crypto, that's I've never heard that jump. <laughs> <laughs> so there's quite a few layers to this. So I did my first startup at 21. Um, I had a great idea and I raised money again really quickly, not knowing what I was doing. Funny enough, um, I raised about 500,000 um, English pounds. It didn't go well. The, the concept was great, but I got the con- I got the product built by a third party service and they outsourced it. They lied. They outsourced it to a you know a cheaper country to build it. Um and they took a lot of money, took about 150 grand. And then I did it again with another company who lied to me. I lost them. Basically, I lost all the money in development. I didn't even get the product to market properly. So that was a really hard lesson at a young age, just 21 years old. Um, 
you know, and half a million went into a, a business concept. But I learned a lot about business, about people. Um, and that's the biggest thing, being an entrepreneur, you know, people, the most important thing to understand. Um, and then I went on to my next business, uh, which is a trainer, a fashion store, really high end store called uh, Boutique Baller, which I founded at 24 years old. Um, that sells hype products, you know, like Jordan ones, Yeezys, uh, all the rare Gucci, Louis Vuitton in a really high end uh, store based next to Selfridges in the middle of London. So I jumped into that again. So that was my next startup that went really, really well. Uh, but COVID then obviously struck um, and I shut down during COVID, but it's still operating now. So it's it's kind of my main business bread and butter at the moment for, for, for turnover wise. Um, and then I jumped into uh, crypto and Web3 uh, when I started gaming again. So Oh, that's really cool. I mean, I definitely got back into gaming when COVID happened. Um, I mean, it was like the perfect storm. Warzone dropped, COVID happened, can't leave the apartment. Uh, trust me, I was there too. Played. I think I played Warzone for maybe three months straight all day, every day. I actually moved. Um, I was living in central London and my, my girlfriend's from up north. And I, I moved to her house for like seven, eight months just in lockdown. And uh, I've just bought a PlayStation again, plugged it in. It's playing six, seven hours a day, <laughs> every day. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I just... The, the, the <laughs> every day get up straight on and you know the technology in in seven eight years has moved on so much that i was like wow i actually will never stop gaming again now i really enjoy it um and yeah it was uh it, i'm a really creative person so actually building a game has been so much fun you know like it, it really is my soul i enjoy doing it a lot so yeah, it was. Uh, I, I enjoyed those lockdown days, weirdly enough. As we were going over, like your trajectory from, like you know, business, uh, working. Um, what you said, like you started this like hype store, and then you got into like Web three and crypto. But I'm curious, like, um, how are you as an operator? Like, what kind of you know founder or like um, operator are you in a business? Are you like the financial guy, the marketing guy, operations guy? Um. Well, look, for a startup, you have to be a bit of everything. Any good entrepreneur has to have understanding of the marketing, the operation, you know. Um, I'm a very creative person. So when it comes to direction and vision, that's me. Um, I understand marketing. You know, I, I very much understand how millennials work. Um, and that's why even understanding how to market when you raise investment, how you talk is very, very important. You need to know how to sell your vision, which we're going to obviously sell to the public. So I have a very good understanding of that. Um, and mainly the creativity. I've got good people around me. But, you know, as any founder, you're always having your opinion on what way the marketing's going, how you're going to get to market. Um, and that just comes from experience. You know, you have to have real experience with startups to, to even get any kind of traction. So um, I'd definitely say create creative person to you. Uh, but obviously the operation side of, of a startup I have to handle a lot because as you said, it's a startup. So, and when you guys transitioned from like, uh, I guess you would say like traditional business into like the web three, um, I know things are different a bit, like with marketing and operations because you're marketing to like a different consumer, um, essentially. Uh, what was the biggest, uh, you would say like learning curve, like something like you had to learn to like do differently and like a web three business versus a traditional business. So, that's a good question. And with our business, there's two sides to this. So I think most of the Web3 space is failing. Um, and, and a lot of people know this. And it's because these aren't proper businesses and they're all getting caught out now. And our business was set up as a Web2 business. This is a game that would take out Web3. My game stills here. You know, it's a live treasure hunt and it's meant to go up against Fortnite, Call of Duty. It is a commercial business first. And what we brought in with Web3 elevates it. And that's how Web3 should be used. You take the best of Web3 and put it into a real product. And that's when you can give real value to holders, the community. Problem with Web3 is most projects have been founded by people that haven't run a business, whether they like to hear it or not. They've done PFP projects. They're now running out of money. They have no business. They can't do another mint. There's no value attached to the NFT. So... One of the things I have learned is kind of to answer your question is 
I believe the best web three products will come out of running them like a web two business, understanding business, understanding markets to actually grow and bring value to the holders. So what's been the transition to me is attracting the web three audience in the web three way, because there is a very specific way you do that. And that is not traditional web two marketing, but then educating web three into saying we're actually a web two business. And this is how it should be used. And I think that now we're going through a transition, a real deep transition where everybody's realizing, you know, this is the dot-com boom of Web3 for a fact. This is the dot-com boom. You know, Amazon came out of 2008, you know, and big businesses like Board Yacht Club and everything will come out of this, but 99% of projects are going to fail. And one thing I'm standing by is that we are a real business before Web3 and we're just bringing web three into it because i believe in digital ownership i believe in you know having a very strong marketing arm in web three i really value that side so um for me it was just learning how web three is but i don't agree with a lot of how web three is <laughs> so um you know the nft influencers everybody's shilling. i don't agree with any of it you know and everyone's getting caught unstuck right now people are coming unstuck on all those very loud voices are suddenly becoming very quiet, you know? So um, I've learned the way, but I'm just taking the best out of Web3 to answer your question really, which I believe in as an entrepreneur. Perfect, yeah. I, I couldn't agree more with everything you said. And I'm also curious, is this something you noticed during this bear market or when you were starting your project, you knew like, all right, 99% of these businesses are gonna fail because they're going at it the wrong way from the very beginning? I honestly, <laughs> I completely knew from the beginning, but you couldn't say it because Web3 is like a cult. Yeah, we all know it. It's like a GM cult and it's like, you know what it is. And you can't, You uh, six months ago, you couldn't talk like this because it's like, oh, they're against Web3. And now what's happening is people are going, you can talk like this because people need to be realistic. People have lost a lot of money. People have been burnt, you know, to be honest, it makes me sick of jumping into spaces and listening to PFP founders who have literally ruined the market, pretend they know what they're on about. It's like, it's painful. So I'm now, for one, you know, originally people like James don't say your own opinion. I am going to say my opinion, you know, because people have been burnt. People have lost money. And like with us, when we jump into it, I have a real product. You know, you buy my NFT, you're getting access to something immediately. And I can show you guys how it will go up in value as long as my business goes up in value, you know? And that's what I'm now questioning with everyone else in Web3. Where's your business? You know, I'm pitching to PFP projects to do a collab with me. You have no business. Like I'm actually pitching to you because you've got community, but you've rinsed them all for their money. And it's like, because I don't have the hype yet, you know, it, it's a very weird space, but this transition is happening and it's going to flush out all of these fake projects for sure. 100%. I couldn't agree with that more. Yeah. Like a lot of these, a lot of these like projects have been able to build really strong communities, but you're right. They've bled them full of money. Um, I think NFTs became a breeding ground for, for Ponzi schemes when it comes to like staking platforms. They're not just generating cash they're not just printing cash. They're just taking the profits from one or then they're just taking money from one person and then giving and then giving those profits to like a holder that say that went up in value to pay off that one just so they can restart the cycle again and just chill off the top. Um, and it's given Web3 and the word staking now just it leaves a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths just because they've been screwed by so many different staking platforms when all these they're not staking, they're just they're just glorified Ponzi schemes. And I like the way that you put it. You're looking to, you want to be a business first with, with all the good pieces of about Web3 kind of soaked into it. I think that's, a, I think that's an amazing, it's amazing position to be in. One of the things that frustrated me jumping into the space is I had a very good advisor that was a part of a, a project that sold out in January uh, that I worked very closely with. Um, and he really onboarded me onto the space and taught me the do's and don'ts. And some of the things he told me, I always sat with him and said, I don't agree with it. I, I know I have to be like that at the moment, but I don't agree with how the space is. And, you know, one of the things he always said is you have to build hype. 
You have to mint out on mint day. And for me, I always thought, why? I said to him, why do you have to suddenly mint out on mint day or you're not a success? And I said, do you know why? Because they are Ponzi schemes. They get, they get you on the hype, sell out. Because if they do not sell out on that hype day, they know that people have realized they don't have a project. They won't mint them in three months when the hype's gone because they have nothing. So even the way that the whole meta of minting out was, I was like, this is crazy. Because if you're buying into something that has real value, I could sell 10 a day for the next four months. You know, I could slowly sell my NFTs because people are buying into my ecosystem as a business. So I didn't agree with this from day one. You know, I thought this this market is messed up. You know, it, it's how it's really backwards. And I see people that buy NFTs, you are investors. That's why I love the space. Cause it's like me being a startup founder, raising money is very difficult. You know, I have done it, but it's a very difficult task for everyone around the world. Very few people raise money for their dreams to come true. If people used NFTs correctly, that is a new way to raise money properly. And you don't have to go and sell your dream to one person. You can get your friends, you can get community who build in your, believe in your vision. People risk a little bit of capital, $100, $200, $300, and you have a whole community to help you make your dream come true. That's what I love about NFTs. And that's what annoys me when you've seen all these rug pulls, all these people that aren't true to what they say they're doing. It's ruined and put such a bad taste in Web3 when it's such an amazing thing, you know? Like, and, and this is what, what I'm, I'm curious about. Like, I know some of these projects say they don't have utility or they don't have like, you know, seasoned business founders, etc. cetera. Um, why is it like the market is forcing them to put on a front like they need these things like why is there no just like pure art plays right like where you know you design a character or something interesting looking and you know you use like the generation and you have all these different variations of it like where's the supporters who are like hey i just want to own this because i like the way it looks i want it in my wallet if it goes up in value nice if it doesn't nice like i'm not here to just you know like day trade it and flip it and you know make all this money because Paying it to attention to like traditional art, the market is, is is way different, right? Like you buy a piece of art, you use it for your taxes. You're not worried about like, oh, if I get an airdrop, I have to pay extra in taxes and this and this and all this worry and the value of it. I have to check it every day. It's like you could just purchase things and like be proud to own it. Um, and I think the NFT space would be great if there was like a split, like, you know, a good appreciation for pure art plays, right? And they don't have to pretend to have like a business or staking and stuff like that. But I guess because of the marketing, they know they have to promise these things in order to sell out on midday. I, I think to answer your question, you're right. And I wish it was like that. But how I see the NFT space is, you know, you hear all these projects now talking about community. Yeah, You hear it every day. Community, community. We're all best friends. Community. People say that because they realize they lost the money. Yeah. You lost your money. And the only thing left is community. Yeah, facts. Okay. Everybody, everybody is in the space for money. Okay. It's money because when you see stories about Board Yacht Club, people want that dream where people have minted something for 300 pounds. They've made life changing money because that's what's happened with a lot of people that own Board Apes. So it's like a lottery. Where can you spend two, 300 pounds and potentially end up with a hundred grand or seven grand or eight grand? So People need to just be honest that they're jumping into this because I want to make some money. And very few are looking at it for the art aspect of it at the moment. But the art will come out because it's the technology, isn't it? It's like in the future generations, if we're really wealthy and all of us are worth 300 mil, you're going to walk in their house and you're going to see a digital painting on the wall. Fact. And it's going to link to, you know, the blockchain. It's going to show I spent 50 grand on that. And guess what? I can swap it to my next 50 grand photo from my iPad. So that, to me, a moving bit of art is amazing. And it's going to happen. That user case is going to be there. I already love it. You know, there's NFT frames and selvages that you can buy and put your NFTs on. And I love it because I'm like, that's the digital world we're moving to. That is going to come, but it's not going to be rapid. But so that art form will come out, but everybody now has jumped in because it's like, I want to make a load of money. That's just a fact because it's normal retail people that want to put 300 quid in 
and make money. So it's that is why the market can moan, but you're all in it for money. That that's just what's happened at the moment. So I think to answer your question, it will separate to pure art and brands. Just I love this cartoon. I love what's in my wallet, but not right now. You know, not right now. Um, and also, you know, if Pokemon tomorrow, you know, if Pokemon brought out an NFT project, people would buy it just to own it for what you just said. You know, I've got Bulbasaur, I've got Charizard. I would buy that because it's it's an emo- it's an emotion we all love because we grew up in that era. So that is true. I own one of those Charizards, and whether it goes up or not, I don't care. I've bought one of them. So um, I think that that whole branding and digital ownership will come out on top, just not now. And then that's what you're trying to bring to the video game space. Like as you said, you wanted to compete with like the Fortnite and Warzone and all that kind of stuff. So you want to make it so that these skins or characters that you own are digital ownership on the blockchain verified to you. Yeah. So first things first for my actual concept is, as I said, I've gamed from a casual gaming point of view my whole life. My game has not been done in this world. Okay. That that's not, that's, there's so many games with different irritants. Like there's different types of games that are very similar from Apex on Warzone. My game has never been done. A live treasure hunt experience through gaming where people battle it out for the latest Yeezys or trainers or concert tickets or money or NFTs has never been done. So take away the Web3. It's a really cool concept. The moment kids realize I can battle this out and win, you know, tickets to Justin Bieber or sports games or money or the latest trainer job trop, because I'm going to base the treasure hunts around hype culture. So it's like, you know, PlayStation 5 just launched, we'll hide a hundred of them in a treasure hunt. So the actual concept alone is a very cool concept. You know, people will adopt to it, they'll play it, it's mobile first. But the whole thing that you said about digital ownership, I believe in massively. Kids now, they want to own the guns, they want to own the items because they don't want remote control cars. They want the latest skin. You know, I've got an eight-year-old cousin, he doesn't want physical things. He wants digital Fortnite guns. So um, I very much believe in the technology and want to show the market this can be used in the right reason. You know, you can have the best of both worlds and give value to um, the person that invests in your IP of your company. Um, And that's something that I'm going to I'm going to demonstrate. You know, I'm actually going to demonstrate to people the moment you mint our NFT, you're getting value immediately, immediately. You know, no, I don't want to be that founder where people go. Where's the value of this? How am I going to make money? How's it going to go up? I can prove to all of you how it's going to work from day dot. So, um, yeah. Okay, that's cool. So, in in but in your game, is it so you own the character, right? That's how that that's how the, the the original part works, right? So you can play my game for free. You don't have to touch NFTs. You do not have to touch Web three. It's a treasure hunt. Everyone's got a standard character. You run around. You can customize it. The biggest utility of owning our NFT, there's only ten thousand of them is you get access to different features which normal players don't. So the first feature you get access to is an extreme hunt. That is only for the holders, and that starts at $10,000 a month in prize money. So you know whether you are a gamer or not. The moment you own my NFT, you're in treasure hunts with 10 grand's worth of prizes from day one. So whatever that's worth to you as an investor... Do I want to pay, you know, two, three hundred dollars to own this NFT? And every month I get an opportunity and it's down to me. It's not a lottery. It's not a raffle. I'm competing for this money. Do I believe that is a return on my investment? Yes or no. That's what people would decide. Secondly, if you are not a gamer, look at it like this. People invest in NFTs to make money. If you as individuals believe in a globalized treasure hunt, if you sit here on this day and go, I believe people will tune in on their mobile and battle it out for cash prize NFTs, then you believe my player base will grow. If my player base will grow, I increase the prize pool money for these extreme hunts. If that prize pool gets bigger, the NFTs value goes up because it means you have a golden ticket to those hunts that nobody else has. And when you think about gaming, if there's only 10,000 Fortnite NFTs, what would they be worth? Or Call of Duty NFTs, that 10,000 tiny small player base Think about the value of one of those NFTs. So to give you an example, if I had 1% of the Firebase of Fortnite, you'd be competing for $100,000 every month in my extreme hunts. What is that ticket worth to you? What would you buy that NFT for? 
So it is very simple, my utility and the correlation of the price, which I'm bringing out. That is sick. <laughs> I mean, then, then you get some really competitive people playing. Because if it, if it gets to the point where where each of these uh, NF, like playable character NFTs ended up getting to the point where they're like $20,000 a head and you're competing for a hundred grand, 200 grand, a half million dollars, you're going to start attracting a lot of big influencer gamers like FaZe Clan or any, any other one. Uh, <laughs> and you'll get a lot of the, a lot of these people paying for uh, paying to play for that. So it's funny. I was in LA because of, um, I'm not allowed to say names now, but I'm working with some face clan members and they will be a part of this company. And they think about the creator. You just said, you know, professional players. Yeah. Creators think about esports and think about competitive gaming, which people stream on Twitch and they stream on, you know, what YouTube, that level of competitive content creator gaming, this is perfect for, because imagine this, there's a hunt this Saturday, there's $20,000 up for grabs. There's whatever it is. Imagine 200 content creators tune in on Twitch and they battle it out. You imagine the content for kids to be like, oh my God, they're running around, stealing, stealing each other's prizes. It is perfectly set up for content creators, you know? So we're, um, as I said, we're working with some very big gamers um, in LA. That's why I was with LA who love the concept. Um, and it's going to be a massive arm to this business for sure. Wow. That is super freaking cool. <laughs> just, just for the record, just for the record, because obviously I've spoke about this. At this point, I am not affiliated to FaZe Clan because FaZe Clan are very strict in their rules. I am dealing with individual FaZe players and their own agents because they've all got different agents. And, you know, our aim we've already spoke about, you know, going forward. Um, and we will have gamers, but there's other game teams as well. You know, professional game teams like FaZe Clan. So um, they're very interested in a lot of partners within those companies. So, yeah. No, I, I don't. I completely understand of them wanting to, like, be very particular and everything. And, you know, they just IPO'd. They went public. They have public investors now. Um, that is a, definitely a good spot to be in, for sure. Um, what about, I mean... I mean, we've heard all the stories of what's going on in the market right now with when it comes to like security and, you know, what was it? 600, $700 million worth of digital assets have been stolen out of, out of wallets this year alone. How are you going to give that added level security to your holders? To be honest, you can only use the best security on the market, can't you? You know, the the stealing and the theft is big. It's happening all the time. And you as a business, you can only go as far as what's the best protection we can do um, and put all of those barriers in place. You can't do more. If things are happening, um, you know, I know certain project founders that have had big hacks, quarter of a million, and have had to pay their community back, you know. So um, we're obviously trying as best possible to put every barrier, but... There's very clever hackers in the world, you know. There's there's very intelligent people that have a living out of stealing. So um, we can just promise, you know, our users, our players, we will do the best to defend what we can. If things got stolen like NFTs, we have our own treasury, you know, 5%, and we would give back to players for sure um, if they can prove they've legitimately been uh, had theft happen. Um, but, but that's all we can do, you know. That's actually extremely generous that you're putting away 5%. Uh, to go through to go through it to a fund like that. Um, it's the only one I've heard of most most projects and people that we've talked to in the space um, do not have a system set up like that. So kudos to you and I'm definitely going to be buying one of your <laughs> one of your planet X's is pretty cool. Um, so I'm just curious like when it, when you talk about the actual game itself, like what is the game? is it is it a first person shooter or is it like is it like a Clash of Clans, RuneScape kind of deal. Like, what's the actual gameplay look like? Imagine Fortnite, third person. Um, I'll open map exact, exact, exactly like Fortnite. Um, it's very mysterious. So the, the the planet Planet X is like Avatar, very blue, purpley pink. You feel very alien. You feel like you're in space. There's different parts of the map from you know canyons to forest to swamps. You name it. 
every bit of environment is different so you feel different running around uh but it's very like that so based off the Fortnite map running around third person um and it's that level of experience for mobile gaming if you look at some of our sneak peeks i i set i set um a certain level for our team and it's gone beyond like when you see it if you download you know grand theft auto mobile and all these games and you see what planet x level comes out of you'll be like wow you know like i'm a casual gamer so i know how it needs to be to affect people like me so um it's beautiful like honestly the the the, the what it's turned out like is uh is great so um but yeah imagine fortnite fortnite third person running around okay and then it's gonna be in like in space right so it's gonna be there's like multiple planets different planets to go to i'm guessing you have like a some sort of spaceship yeah so it starts off on planet x but it will develop onto other planets in the ecosystem um so yeah planet x, the story of planet x i'll tell you actually kind of the the, the story of it so this is actually playing out on our Twitter. So Planet X uh, used to have an alien race on it, really wealthy. They actually created technology for other alien races. That's how they made their money um, on, the, on their uh, planet. One day, an evil alien race was like, we want some of that money. <laughs> We're going to go to war with them. A massive war broke out and they had to actually evacuate Planet X. And during this evacuation, you know, last minute, one of their motherships got caught up in orbit, smashed around the belt. And now every day treasure falls down from those smashed up spaceships onto planet X. And the whole story about the X droids, the NFTs, is these are all different, you know, scavenger drones created from all these alien races around the galaxy. And they all send the drones to planet X to battle it out every day to find this treasure and this wealth. And that is the story. And that's why these extroids visually look different because they're created from different alien races. And that's why they're one of ones when you mint them, you know, from different gadgets to different items to different armor, you, na you name it. So um, they land on Planet X and basically have it out for, for all the money. That is such a cool concept. That's like a really cool backstory to it all. Like I love it when games have like that background lore. Um, I think we first saw it in... in if I might, I could be wrong on this, but the remind that, that like lore behind a video game reminds me a lot of like Nazi zombies, um, how there was like a huge backstory to it. And then like a whole story played out throughout all the games. That's like super interesting. So like, and I know the one thing that I do really, really like about, about your, about planet X is the fact that yes, you have like, you can own an NFT and it gets you these special, special like lobbies that you can get into. But it's also not, but it also the everyday gamer who can't afford, say, an NFT uh, can also play the game. Um, it looks like you're hitting both sides of the market because a lot of people like a lot of NFT games that have been out there. If you didn't get in, get in on the mint, you got priced out. The, 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 the price went up. You couldn't even afford to play the game. Um, and I like how you're touching both ends. I, I just don't think, you know. This was game first. This came purely from a game before I even knew Web3, you know, and it came for, I wanted, <clears throat> when you play gaming, you sit down with your headsets on, you play with your friends, it's really social. I wanted a globalized hunt where it's about short dopamine hits. You tune into your mobile. And what I mean by that is like, we all know tomorrow there's a hunt at 1 p.m. There's $5,000 to be won. We all tune in, whether at work, at the park, where it is, half an hour, high adrenaline, that kind of experience. Um, even down to the user interface, where if any of us find treasure, it will say James from London and everybody's phone vibrates around the whole world. So it'll be like James from London's found a chest and the chest count will come down. So that whole experience, it came from a gamer's point of view before Web3. So, and as I said earlier, I don't believe Web3 lasts without real games and businesses, you know. I don't believe these projects will last unless the consumer enjoys the product. That is just, you know, these tokenomics games, I don't have to speak too much about what's happened to them. You just have to Google the biggest one in the space and see how that's crashed 99%. And the biggest VCs in the world decided to chuck 200 million into them, not doing the homework. Like, it's just a fact. So um, this is a game first. This isn't grinding out play to earn, which is some hardcore, you know, it's like a slave experience. That is what these play to earn games are to earn some money. 
You know, it's like play to earn, slave to earn. You know, I said it on, uh, we said it on Twitter the other day. It's like ridiculous. Their user base, uh, you know, from the poorer countries because they're using it because it's better than having a normal job. That's not a game. That's that's just not a game that's commercially going to stand up for 10 years, like Call of Duty or or Warzone. And, you know, it's, it's, it's just not going to happen. So ours is game first. And I will fully focus on that because if Web3 dies, this business is still here. You know, it, that's just it. So I really want to show the space that somebody can do it right. I, I like I really want to go out there and be quite vocal. Like, guys, you don't have to buy into the NFT you can play the game. You know, we're giving out boarding passes for our $10,000 hunt. You don't have to have the NFT to play it. We're giving them out now. You know, this is, we're not telling you to buy the NFT. We're saying jump into the game, play. If you never want to spend a pound with us, don't bother, you know? Wait, so hold on. Let me get this straight. You can play the game and uh, partake in the treasure hunt without owning the NFT? Correct. So this is a game where anyone can sign up and... The owning the NFT just gives you access to bigger hunts and special things, special items, certain things. And you only have to buy that if you want to be a part of that. But apart from that, we're a commercial game. You sign up. Do I want to buy add-ons? Yes or no? Do you want to take part in the hunts? You can hunt for free every day. You don't have to spend a pound with us. But, but, but I know when you know you can buy a hoverboard for two pounds and it gets you around quicker, you're buying a hoverboard. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's very true i've shit i've bought i've bought skins on call of duty and then i didn't even get anything out of it another question if you own the nft but say like you want to approach it as an investor right like you're not a gamer at all could i like lease my nft to someone that's like a professional gamer to take part in like a, a big extreme treasure hunt exactly so that's the second utility on the website so you can rent it as so you can play with it or rent it out. So you imagine you own two or three of them and there's all that normal player base, yeah? Let's say you've got hundreds of thousands, millions of players. On the actual game, they can come to you and say, I want to rent that. You pick in ETH what you want to rent it for. So it could be a $20,000 hunt and you say, I'm going to rent that for 0.2 ETH to you and I've got two of them. So you can rent that out every month and make an actual passive income as a normal investor and not a gamer. So that's the other side we've hit. And how do you protect it from, say, like uh, a well coming in and just saying like, all right, I want to buy 2,000 or 3,000 of these like NFTs and just, you know, only rent them out and make a shit ton of money every month? No, that's that we put precautions in place that obviously certain per wallet are allowed to be owned because that's exactly what will happen. For example, with the extreme hunt, someone could buy all 10,000 and be like, cool, the prize pool's 50 grand a month. <laughs> I'll invest and then just make all that money. So um, we've done that. You know, we've done that. It's, it's, it's 10 per wallet maximum uh, to avoid, obviously, that happening. And uh, so I see you guys haven't minted yet. How do you feel like, uh, like with this current market? So I'm... <laughs> I, I like a challenge and the market has, it, things don't go viral on Twitter anymore. Okay. So in the, in, in the bull market, you could put out a picture of a donkey and get 600,000 views. Yeah. Donkey, sleepy donkey NFT. <laughs> yeah. And it, it, it would go viral and everyone like, oh my God, I'm going to make 10 grand off a sleepy donkey NFT. That's, that market is dead. It's gone. It's never coming back. And mark my words, I said that these PF pro, PFP projects are never going to go into a bull run ever again, ever, because people now know what what it, it means. Um, so for me, I'm 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 excited, but I'm a realist. Like we launched our Twitter two weeks ago. We've built a thousand and seventy people in Discord. You know, we got eight thousand followers on on Twitter. But what I do know is they're real people. They're super excited. You know, we launched our whitelist, you know, only five days ago. I've got 700 addresses, you know. So I know that as long as I build, there's no rush. You know, I've got in my mind when we want to mint, but if I have to move it back, I move it back, you know. So um, and maybe we mint less, you know. Maybe we do collections of a 1,000 out of the 10,000 and just, you know, do it like that. So, um it's it's uh it's exciting but you've got to be real with the market you know it, it's changed it's changed so much you know all these nft influencers aren't talking anymore on twitter you know they used to just they're just writing just such stupid stuff now 
like GM lie at me and follow shit posting every day. It, it's just, it's, and do you know what? They've, they've helped ruin the market, you know, cause they were telling everyone invest in this, invest in that. And these shit posters, which think they're celebrities, um, are just writing shit. They're just writing shit. It's just, they need to be called out. It's just embarrassing what they, they've actually ruined people's money and they just sit there shit posting still. It annoys me so much. How's the grind lately? Because uh, a lot of the NFT founders that we speak to, they always point to like the Twitter spaces being like the number one grind, you know, maybe five, eight hours a day hopping in, you know, every space available um, to like, you know, promote their project. So like, how's the grind for you right now? So that is the only way, by the way, in actually building a real audience is Twitter spaces for your project now, you know, tweets, you're not going to get traction as good, at, like good traction influencers now saying, you know, buy this project, people don't listen to it, they don't interact with it. So spaces is the only way you can talk like this real, you know, and people can really say to the founder, answer these questions, don't get nervous. Are you true to who you are, you know, so spaces is the only way to build an audience for a fact. Um, for me, I'm project managing a game as well as doing, you know, the marketing as such with my team because I have to help direct them. So I'm not getting into as many spaces as I want to right now because product comes first. If your product does not end up being what it needs to be, it's irrelevant. So um, I'm trying as much as possible. Um, we're doing it quite clever. So I'm actually partnering with projects uh, off of Twitter, presenting it to them like us right now. Um, I've got loads lined up, really good established projects. And as of next week, they're all going to start rolling out. And I've lined up spaces for Mint Week every day with these actual projects with an actual audience. So um, I'm, I'm doing it more timed than doing like 10 hour slogs every day, you know? I was looking through the, the thread and I kind of wanted to like touch on this. I see it was inspired by Ready Player One. And I was going to ask this when you were talking about like the treasure hunt and everything, because this is like one of my favorite movies, especially when thinking about like the metaverse and VR and all the crazy things we could do. Um, so I'm curious, I know you said like you're the creative one, but was this like your your personal inspiration in, um, in building this game? Yeah, so I, 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 I like you. I love Ready Player One. Um, I love it because I believe the future will go there. You know, wealth and poor is separating already, you know. It's only getting worse. Um, COVID has pushed that even further apart. You know, digital experiences to the normal person are more entertaining than real life experiences to a lot of people now. Um, and people have this second identity online already. And Ready Player One is exactly that. You know, the poor at home on VR, the experience is more fun than their day-to-day -day lives. They have an experience where they're, they're some different character within a game. They're battling it out for real world value. That is Ready Player One, which is exactly like the game. So that film I absolutely loved. And when I had the concept of a live treasure hunt, it went straight back to Ready Player One. You know, I watched that film and I take things from it. That experience is what I believe the world's going to do. Um, and you'll love the game. If you love the film, you'll love the game. It's the, it's the same thing. You're, lo you're logging in digitally. You can win life-changing money. You can win things that you can never afford. You're battling out against the world to win these things. It's completely down to you as the player, hence Ready Player One. Um, it, it follows along the line of it completely. So is it, will it be like a, a story or like some sort of hints that you drop on like the Twitter that you have to like pay attention to, to like have clues into where like the, the treasure will be? 100%. Okay, 100%. nice, 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 nice. Yeah, that, that really keeps the point there, 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 There's so much. Yeah, that even, even there's items that... Think about the Ready Player One ecosystem. There are certain items within the film which are super rare, and those items give you an advantage in the game, yeah? That is the whole point where, you know, you see them buy special armor in Ready Player One and this, and there's like... There's like uh, grenades that stop time for 10 seconds. And there's all these items that strategically as a player, you pick because you want to give it, give yourself an advantage. That is exactly the same in Planet X. You pick what you want, you loot up and you jump into the hunt and you strategically pick items that uh, represent you as a player. So if you're really aggressive, 
you might have guns and things like this. If you don't want to actually get into conflict, you might have smoke grenades and faster cars and, you know, so it's completely down to you. And we are going to have special items that are very rare that within the world, imagine there's only, I'll give an example. There's already something we've dropped called a key, an X key. And globally, there will only be 150 ever. Even if I have 100 million players, there will only be 150 X keys within our ecosystem. So there are items like that I'm going to make so special. I know what that key does. And I'm like, that could be more valuable than owning an X droid. Do you know what I mean? Like owning that one item will have bigger resale value than potentially owning an X droid. So there's plenty of that. So yeah, there's plenty of that. And, how, and you said it's called an X key, right? Yeah, it's an X key. Yeah. How does one, how is one going to get one? How do I get my hands on one? <laughs> so funny enough, we're actually doing um, something in the discord called a hunter competition. And that hunter competition is where you earn XP for doing certain things. And the top 10 people that are in those XP positions before mint uh, win an X key. And for, well, 10 of them. But what they don't already realize, some of these people in my Discord, is that like one of them's very close to already an X key because he is on it every day. He doesn't really realize what he's about to win. <laughs> like I laugh, I, I laugh because the guy is is grafted his way to this key, and when he realizes what he's done, he's so early. He's so early, and it's like, as I said, if you believe in a globalized treasure hunt you know, the pros of why this would work. That guy is going to own one of these keys. He's a normal guy. He's got a normal job. And he's a basically won himself a key. And I know he's going to be able to flip that key for very good money. So um, right now, that's the only way to earn a key is that competition. There's 10 of them. Uh, but the others are going to be one within hunts um, and different things. So we're going to get really, really creative with it. Kind of like Ready Player One. Do you know why they win three keys? You know, the whole thing is you've got to find the keys uh, to complete the game. So, um, yeah, these keys are going to be special for sure. All right. Is, do you, like, what are they, what are you going to, what is this key going to do? I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting oh, really into this. Like, I'm so excited <laughs> to play this game. <laughs> I can't tell you that. I can't tell you that. But e even things like, you know, when you die in a hunt, you can't go back into the hunt. But there'll be things like revive stones, where if you own one, you can get back into the hunt. So there's loads of things like that. Um, my favorite feature about the entire game that everybody loves, and this is so funny, comical to think about it. Let's say all of us are playing, us three right now, we're in a hunt. Yeah, it's $10,000. You run up to a chest. You, you've got to find it. It's in the ground. You find a treasure, it pops up, and it's an ultra rare treasure chest, yeah? And let's say out pops a $1,000 iPhone, just for an example, yeah? You cannot leave the game. You can't. So imagine the experience. Oh, my God, I've just won a $1,000 iPhone for free. You then have to call extraction. A mothership comes down to get you, okay? You have 10 minutes to survive and get to extraction. If I shoot you... I steal your iPhone. Oh, oh man, I can see this being. I can see this get, making me so aggravated. <laughs> oh man! Imagine a sixteen-year-old kid's in their bedroom. They jump up. Oh my god! I just want an iPhone, and they're sweating over their phone as somebody runs over the hill and shoots them in the face with a rocket launcher. And steals their iPhone. So that experience is I built the game off emotion. You know, everything within this product is about emotion and experience. And and I think it's gonna be honestly, it's gonna be such a joke. I, I could just you people would be smashing their phone up <laughs> with frustration. <laughs> oh. Okay, so so right now it's going to straight mobile. When, like, when's this going to PC console? Is that, is that on the horizon? So there's two sides to this. Um, there's AAA games, which are, you know, Fortnite, Call of Duty, Apex, you name it, Grand Theft Auto. 
these games take four to seven years to make. They take 30, 40 million dollars VC investment. And whenever you hear a founder in the Web3 space saying they're making a triple A game, they're generally lying because the market doesn't understand what it actually takes to build it, which is another frustration of mine. But within mobile games, you can build on uh, a service called Unity or Unreal. Unreal are normally AAA games like Fortnite. Unity's the engine market leader on mobile. You can build an amazing mobile game in two years. I mean like Call of Duty level mobile in a couple of years. The reason we've stuck to mobile isn't because of actually the investment. It's because of if you want to globalize treasure hunt with hundreds of million players, the best way is through mobile. And that, expe that experience now on mobile has got so good, the graphics, that it is literally like playing a console game from four years ago, you know, like the actual experience. So it's got so much better. So firstly, do I ever think it will go onto console? I don't know, because will it ruin the experience where, you know, these hunts that you just jump into at different times, you know, sitting down and actually picking gaming, like PlayStation is a different experience. Will it ruin the experience, number one? Um, and if it is, I won't ever go that way. But if I do go on to that, um, you know, that will be when VCs come in. Um, they would come in quite quickly. If I got traction within the first six months, there will be someone knocking with that money straight away. Um, and that'll just be a decision whether we take it on or we don't basically. Okay, that makes sense. And so when like when you said that someone could say like win an iPhone, win something, whatever it may be, how does the distribution how does the distribution work? Like how am I gonna get that iPhone? So there's two sides um, to this. Uh, one thing we didn't speak about was, and it's relevant to your question is inside every treasure chest, um, so imagine this, there's things called X tokens, okay? These are not a cryptocurrency. This is the treasure inside Planet X. So it's just an in-app treasure called X tokens. Every treasure chest, there is X tokens. And this is where it gets clever. Um, we only randomly scatter prizes. And apart from that, it's just X tokens. The reason for that is because if you did a treasure hunt and said, there's 100 pairs of Yeezys, it might put off people that don't like trainers. Or if you said there's 100 hair dryers from Dyson, you know, the men might be like, I don't want to play that. So we've actually put X tokens in. And when you win the X tokens, you take it to the X vault in the game. And there is every prize, technology, fashion, NFT. So you actually pick what you want to spend your winnings on instead of us telling you what you win. So it's a really clever way to make sure you can play whether you're 10 years old or 70. Everyone will want to play the same hunt because it's like, I've just found 100,000 X tokens. You then go and spend it on what you want, like Ready Player One. So that's why we've done X tokens. Uh, but on top of that, if you do win prizes, it's just an instant prize win. You might win like a thousand X tokens and a PlayStation. But to answer your question, um, we have an X vault. How we distribute that is depending on what country you're from, we order it from that country. So if you are in the States and you win a PlayStation, we'll get that distributed from Walmart or whoever sells a PlayStation within the USA. If it's in the UK, you know, it's certain suppliers. So depending on where you're located is where we'll order it to get it to you quickest. Oh, okay. That's cool. Shit. It might be easier to just get an X to get a PlayStation five through you guys than it would be to actually buy one. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I know. Um, so it's, um, and to us as well, with we don't hold any stock. So you imagine our X Vault is full of prizes and wherever it's from, as I said, we've got sections of thousands of products. You pick what you want with your X tokens and then we go and order it and pay it for you. Okay, that, that's actually really cool that you guys like have like a full-blown like marketplace for these X tokens, like similar to what Fortnite does with V-Bucks or Call of Duty with Call, Call of Duty coins or whatever the hell they're called. Yeah, yeah that is it's a it's an amazing like if you see the experience it's like you click x vault on the app these big doors open like sci-fi doors and inside it's broken down by like trending new this week you know fashion and you literally everything's prized in x tokens you can create wish lists you can buy if you've got enough x tokens so it's a really cool uh experience no and like eventually it's probably going to get to the point where 
companies companies are going to pay you to have their product on on X Planet. Because I was just thinking, like, where where's like where does like what's the revenue model look like? I mean, is it is is all these of all these like prizes going to be basically bought from NFT sales? Like, how does that part work? So there's two sides, and you've touched on something and picked up on it very quickly. Um, branded hunts will be a massive thing in our ecosystem. Humongous. Um, we've already got deals on the side. So you imagine you are, I don't know if you know, FaZe Clan just did a deal with Man City Football Club. Yeah. And FaZe Clan sponsored Man City. Once again, I'm not affiliated to FaZe Clan. I'm just saying that is something that's happened. What's happening with that is big commercial companies now realize the way to engage with the younger audience is through games. Gaming is going to be bigger than sport for a fact. The younger audience want to game more than going outside and playing sport. Fact. So if you're a big brand and you want to get into the kids young, what do you do? You go to games. And that's why you've got brands like Balenciaga in Fortnite. You know, it's a fashion brand in a computer game. So that crossover is already happening. So you imagine how big the opportunity to do a treasure hunt is for brands. So let's say Nike, say we're hiding a thousand vouchers tonight, a thousand winners of 50% off anything you want online. They've got a thousand kids on social media or adults saying, I just won a voucher through a treasure hunt. It's engaging. It's fun. Let's take that to celebrities. You know, Justin Bieber just says, I'm going to do a meet on greet. There's five hidden vouchers in this treasure hunt. Bang. A million of his fans are in a treasure hunt trying to meet and greet him. You know, a football club, Chelsea football club go, you know, there's meet the squad VIP to the game. There's 10. So actual for brands, Planet X is endless what you can do to engage with your audience or create a new avenue to engage with the younger generation. So we will never pay for those prizes. You can have products launched through it. You know, a new Tesla comes out and they hide one Tesla in a treasure chest. Imagine that. One Tesla hidden in a treasure chest and everybody tunes in through their mobile and somebody wins it. It's crazy. So that's that's my vision. I want people to hide ridiculous things in treasure chests and make it so fun for you know the, the world to play. But to go back to how we pay for general prizes every day is microtransactions. So just like Fortnite, just like uh, Call of Duty, as you'll know, you make money through skins, weapons, items, add-ons, and they're making silly amount of some money. Call of Duty are making $5 million a day, every day from microtrans. Yep, they just got bought for 70 billion. So the money you make in microtransactions is humongous. I know myself, I spend probably 40, 50 pounds a month, you know, cause you know, I like it, it's my entertainment source. You imagine there's a treasure hunt tomorrow. This is very simple how we make money. 100,000 people tune in. There's $5,000 of prizes to be won. And there's a hoverboard, as I said earlier, to get around quicker, that's $2. Or there's a bigger loot bag to carry more guns to protect yourself. 20,000 players go, I'm going to buy that for $2. We just made $40,000 from one hunt in one day. From only 100,000 from only 100,000 players. So now let's talk gaming numbers. And you have a million people tune in to win $20,000 and 100,000 go, I want to buy a grenade for a dollar. I want to buy a bigger gun to defend myself. So we'll scale our prizes as we make more money from microtransactions. So the more players, the crazier the prizes can be. You know, I want to give away a million dollars in one chest. I want to see somebody win a million dollars in a treasure chest and and hunts to be bigger than the lottery because you don't win the lottery it's not down to you it's complete luck but on our game it is skill based it is down to you to tune in like ready player one and out battle everyone else and win that prize oh uh, i would 100 pay a pay-per-view subscription to like watch that game because like oh, that'd be that'd be so i mean i've i've i'm guilty of like watching some people play like, you know, the highest kill game in Warzone or something like that. That is like a huge, like back to what you were saying earlier is like this, it's like built perfectly for content creators and you're hitting it right there on the nail. That is insane. It's su super addictive. And that's why we're working with content creators now, because on top of the product, 
we're building features which appeal to every content creator around the world. And that's why we're working with the top ones, top gamers, because they're saying, James, you build this in, this will turn into an eSport. This will turn into content creators actually hunting it out against each other. And the content, they said, you know why the content's amazing? If you win and you find loot, your followers are going to love it. If another content creator shoots you in the face and steals your loot, they're going to love it. <laughs> so both bits of content is funny. You know, imagine TikTok and it's like, I just lost five grand because another gamer come and shot me. So that content is going to be priceless to TikTok, to social media platforms for these content creators, you know? Oh, I'm going to be ambushing Xville stations all day long. Just going to be waiting for someone to like find some loot. I'm going to kill them. <laughs> oh man, James, uh, this Planet X, all this uh, sounds amazing. And I noticed we crossed like the, the hour mark already. I wish we could kind of like extend the conversation. So I don't know, maybe you'll be open to like a, a round two uh, pot with us uh, later b before men or maybe after mint. Um, but this sounds like really amazing what you like, yeah. All the thought that went into this and, um, you know, just the expertise in business, how you're looking to change the landscape of like Web3 and NFTs and approaching this the right way. It's uh, very inspirational. Um, but I do kind of want to give you the chance. One, I want to ask one personal question. And then two, I want to give you like a, a chance to take a minute if you want to announce any call to action. If you want people to like, you know, join the Twitter, join the Discord, visit your website, etc. Um, I'll give you time for that. But I do want to know, in, in your opinion, where do you think the market will be in the next two to three weeks? So I actually think um, the the market's going to get deeper within the bear, you know, as we, we all know. I think that um, I really think this is crucifying now. All the bad projects are going to be gone. I think it's going to be very painful for the market. I think it's going to affect a lot of the top projects even more because there's no value there. Um, and I think we're definitely not past that stage. Um, and it's going to take some good projects to come out to make people believe in the space again. I generally believe that. And it might be a six month transition. It might be a year transition because to build good projects does not just happen. You know, you know this, it, it doesn't happen in a month. So I think that it's going to be really bad uh, the period ahead. I think all these PFP founders and projects are going to fail. Because um, remember, NFT projects are startups. 99% of startups fail. Yeah, for, for many reasons. These are people that have minted a year ago. They're now running out of funds. They haven't built a platform. They won't be able to mint again because no one trusts them. That means they're paying salaries. They paid salaries for a year. They've probably gone on holidays with their mates. And uh, now they've run out of money. So I think it's going to be very painful. And some of these top projects are going to start dying. Um, well, I don't say the top, like the blue chip, but I think the the, the mid-tier ones are going to all die off personally. Um, and yeah, and I think people are going to wake up and hopefully good projects, not just like myself, but other people that are really doing good things. Um, I think people will concentrate on where they invest their money into now and they'll do a lot more due diligence and be like, I trust this platform. And instead of betting on 10, I think people will start betting on three. You know, I think that that's changed now. People will be really cautious about who I'm investing into, where my money's going, you know, um, I think it's going to change for the better generally. I think Web3 will last, it will survive. It is the future. I love digital ownership. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that it will get to where it needs to be. It just had to go through this, you know? Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Um, and it's, it's honestly, it's probably a good thing. I think that, I think this, I think it's honestly, like how long could PFP things go on for? And how long do we really want them to go on for? I think I think there's going to be a great space for artists, and that's great. I love digital artists. I think they are very under under recognized, and I think NFTs brought that up to fruition. But I think um, we needed this hard hitting bear market to just get rid of all the Ponzi's, get rid of all the scammers, get rid of all the bullshit projects that mean nothing, or they list out this massive cool roadmap and then as soon as the mints sold out they just walk away um i think it's definitely something that's needed that was needed um but i'm really excited because it's projects like yours that are gonna that are actually gonna come out of this bear market and a lot and it's gonna motivate a lot more people to create a lot more useful and interesting projects yeah i agree for sure 100 percent. you know and I, as i said anyone that's building in this right now um 
will there will be the Amazons that come out of this. This is what happened with the website, you know, when when dot com was created, all these companies came out and they all went bust because investors invested into them. But great things will come out of this. And one thing I will probably end on is, you know, when you see in the newspapers and online, will Web3 last, will crypto last? The people saying that are not the younger generation. And trends happen because a certain generation pushes it through. The youth want this. So it doesn't matter what the older generation say, our digital ownership's never going to last. It doesn't matter. We're from different worlds. So it's like, it will be there. I want a digital, I want a digital artist on my wall. I want some 3D crazy stuff when I get in and I want to say, this is real. This is linked to a blockchain. I bought it for this much. I can sell it with a, you know, one click of a button. I believe in that massively. And I love the space. I think art will be an amazing thing. So, you know, it's going to be here. And like you said, the the, the rubbish has just got to go. No offense to the rubbish if you're listening to us, but you're rubbish. So, yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> Awesome, man. Well, hey, we really appreciate you coming on. We're definitely going to reach out to you again to do a part two. Um, I definitely am very excited to see where this project goes. But, you know, uh, for the rest of the time that we have here, if you want to get any call to actions out to your community, anything you want to let anybody know, uh, the floor is yours. I think that uh, if if I haven't convinced you in the last hour to uh, <laughs> tune into Planet X on Twitter and Discord, you're never going to do it anyway. So, you know, to anyone listening, I'd definitely just tune in, jump on the Twitter. Um, as you'll probably know, I'm very vocal about my feelings towards where the space is going. And yeah, watch it unravel, you know, watch closely. You might end up with an X key. So uh, yeah, thank you so much for having me, guys. It's been a, it's been amazing chatting to you. So yeah, I'll definitely do a part two. Thank you. And you guys can check out uh, their website, playplanetx.com and their Twitter, play underscore planet X. There we go.